Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be A-OK. Little known fact about my guest today. Well, actually, two little known facts about my guest today. The first is he is the very first guest to appear on this podcast way back when, 180-something episodes again, and I am so thrilled to have him return and be a guest again all these years later. Uh, The fact I wanted to share this time is that when he was first starting out, and this was something I didn't know, there was a moment where he was offered a really great job in the hotel business, and he sat down with his dad, sort of laid out what all the perks of that job would be, and really asking for advice. Should he switch lanes and leave this dream of acting to start this other? And his father, well, I don't have to tell you the answer because... Based on that conversation, we know how it turned out. Welcome award-winning, brilliant actor, John Slattery, back to the podcast. A-OK. A-OK. Guys, John Slattery is here. I cannot, that's John Slattery. Do you want to say hi to our friends at home? (laughs) I feel a little like it's Mr. Rogers for a minute. Like this is the mailman. I'm just here in my living room. You're just here in my living room with John Slattery. John is one of my oldest friends, no joke. You are here fresh off a flight from Toronto. Yes, I am. Because you are working, you're probably confused because you were working with Kate Blanchett yesterday and now you see me and you're like, twins. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute, are you Kate's are you younger Schlafly? sister? Yes. Um, she's playing Phyllis. Schlafly. Schlafly. And you play her husband. Fred. J. Fred. Let's back this up and yeah. cue it up properly. So it is a movie about it's this woman. It's a mini-series. A mini-series for... The FX Network. Who are all the like fancy people in it with you? Kate Blanchett plays um, Phyllis Schlafly. Uh, uh, Rose Byrne is Gloria Steinem. The great Tracy Ullman is Betty Friedan. Wow. Uh, Margot Martindale is Bella Abzug. Like, brilliant women. So do you find with each role that you play, like, now you probably know so much about this moment in time, the politics, the players, uh, what what our nation was sort of thinking about in terms of equal rights at that time, looking at it Mm. from the lens of the now. Is that something that you love as an actor, sort of these deep dives into new worlds? Yeah, very much. And I also like leaving that world. Yeah. That's the the, part the world that, you live in, or the world of the job. Well, both. I mean, the, the the variety of it is something I've always liked. I don't want to do this anymore. I'd rather do something like that, or nothing, or just you know, you, you, you because you end up, you do end up. I do, sort of squeezing it dry. Right. 
which thankfully I can I can do. You well, know. you can do that when you're on a limited series or yeah. a film. You have been able to kind of bounce around in all the things, hmm. television and film, um, theater. When you're in a play, a long run, you can't leave it when no. you want. It doesn't, no. it doesn't have that luxury. If a show is successful, it actually means you're in that part for a really long time. How do you deal with that? You were in Laughter on the 23rd Floor. Mm -hmm. You did the front page more recently yeah. on Broadway. What was the longest run? What was that great, what was the play you did with Leah Schreiber? Betrayal. Betrayal. Um, I think they were all about more? six months, I think, yeah. it was, uh, uh, which is long. I mean, yeah. like, by the time you get to six months, you're, you've lost your mind and then found it again and lost it again. And, right. You know, so um, you're mental and then not mental. And exhausted. And Yeah, you just, I don't know. I mean, you kind of go, that's, it, has, it all takes its own. It's a group of people. Front page was 28 people in it. Seasoned people, like people that do plays all the time. Mm -hmm. Dylan Baker, Nathan, obviously. Um, Lane. Lane. So you just, you know, it takes its own level of energy and, and, and um, coordination on any given day. Sometimes, you know, everybody's, some, some people are firing. It's rare that everybody's firing on the same day with yeah. that many people. Yeah. But, but, but it does happen. And you get out there and you come off stage and you're like, wow, that was fun. How do you, like, live your life differently when you're on a TV show versus a play? You know, I heard James Corden on, on uh, Howard Stern the other day, and he, he was talking about... You know, how are you when you, do you take your work home with you? And he said, you know, it's harder when it's a good show than it is when it's a bad show. Because a good show, you're like, how am I going to do that again? Yeah. I get, which I totally get. You know, if it's something emotional, I had to do this play, uh, Rabbit Hole, which was ran for a while. Heavy about a couple whose kid gets run over by a car. Right. And I had a kid of that, pretty much that age, whose voice we used. You know Harry. Um, he's you? now 20. But like... Then people were like, how could you use your own kid's voice? It was like, well, what you, that, that's what you're working with. That's what you're pretending anyway. You're pretending it's your own kid. And the kid, you, so, you, so you basically, your kid dies every day and twice on Wednesday and uh, you know, right. Saturday. And it's... Uh, was there a point during the run where you wish you hadn't used his voice for the memory no. of it? Or it always was helpful in terms of getting you where you needed yeah, to Yeah, it was go. always, because that's, you know, that's at least the way I was taught. You find some personal little nugget and then you, you build around that. You create, you cook up, you know, you cook up the fact that something happened because obviously you don't have the life experience of the character, so. Hopefully, especially in Hopefully, case. yeah. You literally wake up in the morning and go, shit. Like, if you have a bad show, you think, I gotta, what am I, I gotta, and inevitably, you know, you get through a week, we'd be like, well, you get, I get four good shows a week. You know, and you have eight. Do you like to blame pretending. the audience? I work with a lot of people who love it's the audience's fault. I went and saw Nathan and Gary uh, uh, the other night, and um, when I was on stage, I've been on stage with Nathan a bunch of times, and and he'll tell a joke or whatever, and if the audience doesn't react the way he wants them to, if he's facing this way, he'll turn and be like, uh, you know. To the other people upstage of him and go, oh shit, and then he'll continue on. You know that he's displeased with the audience, That's and you're hilarious. like, oh, this is going to be interesting. And he'll do stuff to just fuck around, or he'll change every line reading. Oh, he's remarkable. But he but wants the, uh, but, them. But, he but, wants to get them back. Oh yeah, that's or all. That's all he cares. Oh, he's there. He's there. He wants them to be a great audience. And I was watching when we were waiting to see if we were a good audience or bad audience, and I never detected him going, oh. 
And we went backstage afterwards and we were like, how, how, what did you think of the, the room today? And he goes, he's like, oh, it was like, it was, it was shit. It was the worst. And I was like, I never saw that. I never saw you give, you know, give uh, any indication. But, you know, yeah, you, 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 you know, you can't, it's not the audience. I mean, they all want to, they all want something. They're right. all there. They're there. Right. So when you finish, I mean, I can't imagine there's a soul on the planet who will watch this episode and not know that you played Roger Sterling in Mad Men, which is a really defining career moment mm -hmm. in many ways. Yeah. You probably can kind of see things from before and after that job. Yeah. Um, I looked at what you did next and I saw there's like Tony Stark, right. Marvel films, right. right? Right. And then Sort of Nothing the choice, it, and now you're here. Now you're so here. I just wanted to say I'm sorry <laughs> that it didn't work out for you because really that seemed like you were so primed to do something expected. great. Yeah. yeah. Um, what did you think about in terms of like, what do I do now? Was that something that you were I, deeply I, concerned with? No, I did stuff during that run in between little movies and stuff that, you know, most people won't ever see. Because um, you wanted to. Yeah. That something about you know, the character and then you get the there project. and you're like, why did I do this? I could have just gone home. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we had six months off. I think I did a play in there somewhere. Um, no, when I, 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 I've, I've experienced it more now that I'm finished with that and that people, it, it's funny, that show came along when you could, just when you could, bank the show just when you could TiVo it or whatever just pre-streaming but so there was the ability for people to 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 watch it at their leisure or okay. to catch up to it or so it was a kind of a if the water cooler moment go did you see that show you go oh no where can I get it and you could get it and 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 so it, it, it had a sort of extended life yeah and so I think I felt the effects of it in the negative more Lately, because the people go, well, he's too Roger, he's Roger Sterling. We can't hire him for this because it's just that's central. People imprint. are going to think that. Do you miss it? Do you miss Mad that? Men? Yeah. It was one of those things that that you you're well that if if you haven't experienced it, it's fortunate in every way because everybody got along. Uh huh. I mean, like famously well, like super well. We were all having a good time. We were playing cards. We were. You know, we were socializing, you know, afterwards and in between runs and every, I mean, it was a difficult place to work because it was very exacting. The, 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 uh -huh. the people that ran it were very like, this is the way it has to be. Every detail was gone over, choreographed, examined, researched. Did that feel restrictive as an yeah. actor? Sometimes, yeah. Everybody, I, I would think, had that experience. Uh -huh. I mean, Matt Weiner once said to me, is that the way you're going to walk down the, go back up the thing. And I we, we were far enough into the run. I was like, if you think I'm going to go up the hall and come down, turn around and walk back down so you can tell me how I'm walking, then you're out of your fucking mind. Right. But that was like, you know, we were like a week from being finished. And I was kidding with him. But, but he but still he was, wanted he literally that told me if you open, Yeah. He said, if you open the door with your left hand, it'll be 30% funnier. And I was like, how do you argue with that? <laughs> You're like, well, you're insane. What are the stats on hey, that? Hey, you're nuts. Yeah. Because it won't be. And, but maybe it will be. Yeah. I mean, then that's what you want. You want somebody who's going to tell you what to do. Right. Who goes, this is what, you, this is, this is what you're going to do. This is what you should try anyhow. And you go, well, oh, uh, okay, I'll try that. Because you seem sure of it. And 
did that become comforting in some way? Yeah, all that's all those restrictions, even the suit. Like I, we had a costume fitting in the beginning, and I had all these suits picked out with Janie Bryant, the costume designer. And we sent them up to Matt, you know, pictures, and I think it was Polaroids back then. And and we sent them up, and he was like, "No, no, this is all wrong. That's Pete's character. This is he's supposed to be three piece suit, blah blah blah." And I was like, "What? Oh, like the old fart guy?" And 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 whatever. That was what he wanted. So we changed the whole thing and we got all suited up and you're all cinched into these suits and you're like oh shit I can't breathe I can't I, and you know and, and it makes you sit up and and all and then you know a couple of weeks into it you're like that's the sort of skeleton of the character yes so it really it did you didn't have to be reminded to you know because I'm a not not a very uh, upright person yeah all the time, so. and you started directing when you were on that show yeah yeah and they still were, you know generous enough to let me try. Let yeah. Me, yeah. Was that something you knew you wanted to do from the beginning? Uh, or is that something you went to them kind of a few seasons in and felt like I would like to throw my hat in for that? Uh, I did that. I had the impulse to do it. I was just thinking I, I was doing a television show like in the early 90s. And I remember asking about a shot and like, how come you don't just do it like that and then come around, like follow him in the house. And he's like, well, if you know, this was the feature version of that, we would do it. And I was like, okay, I don't necessarily agree with that, but right. whatever, it's not my job. And um, yeah, and that, that occurred, you know, you stand around on, on sets for 20 years and you start to go, I wonder what I would, if I would do it that way. Or, and, and then I did just ask, I said, I didn't ask to direct, I asked to follow one of the directors around. On Mad Men, yeah, just kind Phil of see Abraham, what the whole who, world is. who was is a brilliant, great guy and brilliant uh, uh, cinematographer, did, set up the look of the show, sh uh, shot uh, Sopranos, um, a great guy and a, and a very generous guy and a terrific director as well. And he had started out directing on Sopranos, I believe, was his first show. Uh, and he was generous enough to answer all my stupid questions. And um, I think they knew that I. I didn't ask to direct, I just asked to trail, and then that's, or shadow, they call it. And uh, I do that in restaurants. You do? Trailing <laughs> is, is in restaurants. Yes. I did that too. Yes. Um, Have you worked in a restaurant before? Absolutely. I was the worst. Y you were? <laughs> I did it, uh, yeah, yeah, I did it in, in Boston. When I was growing up, I was a busboy at this place in Faneuil Hall, when Faneuil Hall first opened. It was a huge, it was a huge, <laughs> yeah, in 1886. <laughs> and they used to put the, the uh, corn syrup there in the barrels. <laughs> and I used to be the guy who would clean up the tar and feather. Yeah. And when they would tar and feather somebody, I would, say something? I would clean up the streets. You look friggin' amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, it's all about drinking water. You know, yeah. if, you're, if you were born hydrate. in 1865 or whatever, you, you, yeah. you need to, exactly, you really need to hydrate. Yeah. It's working. Um, or you just crumble and blow away. Exactly. Um, so you were at Faneuil Hall. I was at Faneuil Hall, and it was a big deal because it opened. It was, a, it, I don't know, it was, it was the first thing of its kind where it was food courts and all that stuff. Exciting, exciting. It was a, it was a gold mine. Yeah. Um, even for busboys. My sister was a bartender at one restaurant. My other sister ran, was a manager at another restaurant. And the I worked at some other place. The all over the place. All over that place. Yeah. Um, and it made more money than Disney World. I mean, the place... I made more money than Disney World. <laughs> than Mickey. Than if I had worked at Disneyland World. <laughs> you did. Right? You figured that As out. As a busboy. Did you um, want to make money? Like growing up, and when you think about like your own trajectory as an actor, like where does money fit in 
for you? Top of the list. Uh-huh. No. Um, by the way, do I get paid for this? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, you know, we always had jobs. I always had a job. I always had to have a job. I couldn't, uh, if school was, school, school was out, or if, even during school. I worked in a gas station. I worked in a drugstore. I worked um, uh, waiting to, you know, busboy, whatever, doing all that kind of stuff. So were you worried Caddy. about going into acting as someone who wanted stability in his life or money in his pocket? No, I, no, I wasn't concerned to that degree. And my parents supported us, you know, and sent us to college. And then, you know, my dad would visit New York and my sister and I would fleece the shit out of him. You know, he'd, yeah. he'd, he'd go home and empty. Look what I got. Nothing to my mother. What do you mean? He's like, look what I have. And he had a dime in his pocket. We would meet him and, and he'd buy us dinner and then we'd give him, he'd give us all the cash he had. And then he'd leave. Um, that's yeah. good parenting. It is. You know, I, I actually, the, the one bit of advice, I was applying for jobs um, up and down 7th Avenue. For some reason, that was the, I thought. You mean thought, money jobs? Yeah, restaurant yeah. jobs. Yeah. You know, and I like Rosie O'Grady's and those places by, can't, by, by, by the Carnegie Deli, because I had acting class in that neighborhood. I thought, well, I'll just see if I can get a job. But they're all union places, and I, was, I, went, I went into the Intercontinental Hotel and applied for a, a bartending job. And I'm there, and I'm in the upstairs in the HR office or something. And they said, he goes, all the bartender's jobs are union bartenders. These guys have been doing this for 30 years. There's no way you're going to get this job. Do you want to be the manager? And I was like, uh, of the hotel? He goes, yeah. Wanna, like a junior man, like you want to be like you start out. We give you a suit and a tuxedo. You can stay at any intercontinental hotel for free around the world. They're, all, they're everywhere. And it's like if you know you you work a lot of hours, but you know you'll you know that that's that would be the gig. And I was like, what? You know? And I, I thought I'll have money. I was broke, and I'll have a suit and a tuxedo, and I can stay at these places. Uh, I called my father and I said, I, I just got offered the manager's job. He goes, well, do you want to be the hotel manager? And I was like, well, no. I mean. And, and, and it'll actor. tie you up and all yeah. that. And he says, yeah, he says, I would, I would try to keep, remember why you're there, which is such good advice. Like, yeah, nobody wants to be poor. And people do that all the time. They fall out of this thing or they did because you'd be like, well, I got a job working at a law firm and it pays well. And then you get the health insurance and then you get the thing. And the next thing you know, it's 12 years later and you're a paralegal or something, which is fine. Yeah. But if that's not what, you know, it, just because the creature comforts, are, um, you know, well, or, you've been or, doing this a long time, yeah. and you didn't do the hotel management route, no, as it turns out. I did not. Thankfully for all of us. Do you still love acting, and do you still love the puzzle of figuring out a character? I, I, I do. I don't like the, um, all the stuff that, that you have to do to, to get to the point where you're standing on the mark and the camera turns on. Which is what? Which is getting on the plane and leaving home, all the van rides or the car rides or the, th you know, and, and, and all the people and the miscommunication and sitting around and wait, you know, all that stuff is not nearly as interesting as it used to be. So all the stuff that surrounds the work versus just doing the part. One time I got a first job I got was with Al Pacino movie called uh, one of it was, uh, what the, it was City Hall. And Al Pacino played the mayor and he was in the car and I was, but by the time I, we actually shot the movie, my part had been written out of the movie basically. And my agent said, you're doing this thing because you don't have any, you have a blank piece of paper for a resume. Yeah. So I said, okay, fine. 
And I and I it was it was awful. But but I sat there in the car in the front of the car, and I was like the guy that opened and closed the door for him, basically. And I would I had the mirror visor down, pretending I was doing something, while I was spying on Al Pacino in the back seat. And we do a take. We 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 they go okay, rolling, and we're in a car in a process trailer on the you know all, all with you know a follow van and a lead van, and the director's in another van, and there's walkie talkies, and there's people. It's a whole shit show of stuff. And he's in the back seat. He's you know getting ready to say whatever he's supposed to say, and they go action. And just as soon as he opens it, they go, cut, 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 cut. Sorry, sorry, technical thing. Back to one. Back to one means you got to get off of the parkway that you're on, get off the exit, go around, drive a mile and a half down the street, come back, and, like, get back into the thing. So that's another, that's 20 minutes of, of right. sitting in this car. It's hot. The windows are up. He doesn't know me. It's awkward. We're, I'm spying on him. And he, I just see him look out the window and goes, oh, I hate this. And I was like... It was so shocking to me. I was like, Al Pacino hates this. Yeah. What? And I told, now I get it. I totally get it. I'm like, all the ancillary stuff that, that uh, getting to the spot where, it, where the acting actually happens, it can be so. So, what is it that boring. the Al Pacinos and the John Slattery's now um, keep going back for? What's it that well that you keep going back for? You know, you read something and you go, oh, yeah, <clears throat> that's it. You read a script and, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's rare, but it's, if it's good, it's, it's... You want to tell that story. You want to play that part. You want to say those lines. Yeah. If it's funny, you, know, um, you just get it. You know, you read something and you go, oh, I know how to do that. You read the thing on the page and go, I, I, I know exactly. I got it. That's all right. Well, yeah. I, can't say no to that. It's calling me. So yeah. I just want to talk a little bit about surfing. Okay. Because that has become a huge part of your life when you're not working. And I've known you a long time, and that was not always the case. Right. You found it. Yeah. What is that for you? I don't know. It's I grew up at the beach. Um, nobody really surfed, but I could swim well. Yeah. I swam like competitively when I was a kid, so I wasn't afraid of it. And I liked the. My dad loved the ocean. My so did my mother. And so all of us grew up in the ocean, getting knocked around. And so none, that, that felt natural to me. Uh, I guess I always wanted, I saw it. I always wanted to try it. It didn't really click until then I was in L.A. with nothing to do, waiting for the phone to ring. And, you know, that, that horrible low-grade fever of anxiety that, right. that we all have when, when no one's calling us and, and we don't have any, you know, any job. And it seemed like the perfect antidote, you know. I'd, I'd grown up playing golf. I grew up on a golf course. Like in the summers, we'd go to this town, at the beach, and and then in the rest of the year, we lived across the street from a golf course. So we would I grew up playing golf, and that's what people do. A lot of actors play golf because it's just time kills time. You know, four hours of your of your day is is on the golf course. But I, so I just switched one for the other, because they're similarly uh, long, um, kind of long game. Uh, uh, activities you can get better it takes you a while to get better you can do it until you're you know you can do it for a long time yeah um yeah but i like being in the ocean and and do you feel do you like how you look in the wetsuit <laughs> you know no i've Not seen myself people go i got a good picture of you and then you look at it and you're like i look like a i look no i look bad all right tell me a little known fact about you little known fact yeah 
I was reading Howard Stern's book, and he was talking about his voice. And um, he, um, he, hates his, he hated his voice early on. And he was like, what am I going to do? I don't sound like the people that I want to be. I don't sound like a guy on the radio, you know, Dan Ingram or, you know, one of those great voices on, on, on terrestrial radio back in the old days. And then finally, he was like, oh, fuck it. This is my voice. This is my true nature. And so I don't like my voice. I don't have a, you know, sometimes my voice sounds okay. Like, it sounds okay now. If I get nervous or if I get, you know, if your first day of work on a film set, it will lose its, what do you, timber. Mm -hmm. So I will um, yell into a pillow, like, like scream into a pillow, like high-pitched scream into a pillow in a, <laughs> in a hotel room. So it's five in the morning and I got to go to work. And, and then I'll be leaving, and I'll go, oh, shit, I got to scream into a pillow. Get the bed pillow, put it on the end of the bed, kneel down by the bed. And this is, you know, it's five in the morning, and some, the person above me and to either side of them, you know, they're sleeping. And I will put the other pillow over my head to try and muffle the sound. And it's like, <clears throat> you know, get like this, this screaming thing going. But, it's, but it, a vocal coach told me that if you warm up, you know, you warm up high first, that brings the lower tones in. So... So I scream like a high-pitched scream. Uh -huh. And I'll be like, you know, with these pillows over my head. And I mean, I always start laughing because I think the people are upstairs and they're like, what the, someone's being Who's sawn in, in half in, in 305. Yeah. Yeah. What I love is from now on, when any of us watch you in any yeah, you'll know that performance, my, yeah. we'll know what your pre-performance ritual was and we'll feel very inside that. I love your voice. I think it's ironic that you say huh. that, because it's well, one of my favorite things about you. Well, there you go. I cannot thank you enough for getting up early and being with us today. And uh, every time I'm with you, I just learn more about you. I hope you will come back again no. and again okay. and again. We're thank good. Thank you. We're good. We yeah. got it. Yeah. Hey everyone, new episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind the scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Hey, I am so excited to share some news with you guys. For the last few months, I've been working on another project that I've been calling Little Known Facts 2.0, Stage Network, an incredible new streaming platform which promises to be Netflix for theater lovers, asked me to do Little Known Facts as a filmed series, a talk show, as it were, in front of cameras. And I really thought about it for a long time because the thing that's made this podcast so special is that all of my guests have been able to share deep, intimate truths about their lives because we are in this tiny, comforting, confessional that is the podcast booth. And I really had to think hard, could I still deliver the same kind of intimate, raw, hilarious, and unique interviews if cameras were involved? But I think I figured it out. 
And I'm so grateful to Stage Network for allowing me to make my dream of sharing incredible friends with you in this whole new way. So I shot six episodes. The first one uh, is with Ben Platt. Other guests include Celia Keenan-Bolger, Zachary Quinto, George Salazar, Nikki M. James, John Slattery, and I cannot tell you how thrilled I am to share them with you. Stage Network really is an amazing place. Not only is it filled with incredible original content, uh, it has licensed so much theater-related content, documentaries and films and all sorts of incredible programming. I feel like I dreamed up a network and someone else created it and here it is. And the fact that I'm involved in even a small way with this incredible, incredible network is just truly an honor. So to that end, uh, to watch all of the content, including Little Known Facts, the series, go to watchstage.com. Enjoy and I hope you like it. This episode was recorded and produced at MCM Creative Studios in New York City. It is a full-service production company. Whether you are doing a podcast, a film, a commercial, a video, an industrial, anything you need to make, they have the facilities to do it and really talented people to make whatever your vision is happen. MCM Creative Studios in New York City. Little Known Facts is edited by Nicholas Klar and recorded in New York City.